0: Go to Sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's SYLVAN29.com.
1: Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the as part of the Talking Chop Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you. You can find myself at Stats SAC as well as Talking Chop at Talking Chop across all forms of social media. It's an off day in Braves country, but it comes with a yet another series sweep the day after an exciting night, maybe not necessarily for all great reasons, but an exciting night when it comes to the Braves. Another day, another game in which the offense certainly was on point. For the second time in three games, the Braves drew 11, at least 11 walks in the game. They drew 11 on Monday. They drew 12 last night, including five RBI walks. Five walks with the bases loaded that led to five of their 11 runs. A bit of history made as well. Freddie Freeman becomes the first Braves player to hit for a cycle twice. The second time in his career. He absolutely was on fire, and the Braves were able to build up a big enough lead, but they wound up needing every one of those runs as Josh Tomlin came on in the ninth inning in what could be his final outing of the season, gave up five runs in the ninth. Thankfully, Will Smith came on and had a bit of a rocky performance as well, but he was able to close the door, and the Braves were able to win 11-9. Patience, power, production, all on display by the Braves offense. Charlie Morton once again doing his job to yet earn another win for the Braves. And of course, that means now The Braves are going into the off day with a multiple game lead in the NL East division before they head to Baltimore to take on the Orioles. But since it's the off day, I figured we'd have a little bit of fun, and I wanted to invite a special guest onto the show. You know him as Jay Dunna on Twitter. His name is Jason Dunn. He's been kind enough to join us on the show to talk about the Braves' resurgent month of August as well as having a little bit of fun when it comes to the Braves' infield. Jason, how are you tonight, sir?
2: Sean I'm doing wonderful it's It's great to be here. I really appreciate the the uh the opportunity to chat with you and talk a little
1: baseball. I don't know it probably is within at least maybe Braves Twitter, but in general, I think that d uh, um duna may hold. Um, a couple of records. Number one, the records for the most times, the edited Twitter handle has been changed. I think he's up to five hundred and sixty-seven different names now over the past two years. And also the most failed puns in the history of Twitter. You hold both those records, is that correct? Uh,
2: and and I'm not I'm not gonna let him go uh, for <laughs> for either one of those. It's it's going to be like Joey chestnut and the hot dog eating contest that you just keep winning until you stop. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to let, uh, I'm not going to let either one of those, uh, either one of those things go, especially puns. I, I take the pride, a lot of pride in, uh, um, just making people groan at, at, at stupid puns. So, so, uh, So I I love it. It's great.
1: Obviously, um, all of Jason's great work at Jay Dunnett on Twitter, myself, stats, SAC. But he did write a little bit for Talking Shop, definitely some humorous posts in the past. But wanted to invite him on the show to talk some Braves baseball because right now it's a lot more fun. Dana, being a fan of this Braves team, listen, we our, our passion never changed. Our our the diehard fashion of which we were fans hasn't changed. But the fact that they're playing like they are right now, it's so much more reminiscent of the past three years than it was even three weeks ago. And it, it it's it, it feels like patience has paid off. It's a lot of fun seeing them play the way that they are now.
2: Oh, it, it absolutely is, and and my goodness, it just feels like it. It feels like it's been such a weird path to get here, but it feels like the team playing like this is kind of how we expected most of the season to go. Um, And and so it's just been such a just weird season where it seems like if things could go wrong, they they would. And yet here we are. you know, currently atop the division, um, you know, may even be three or four games up here, you know, in a, in a few days. So it's amazing.
1: It's nice to see the resourcefulness when it comes to winning. We're winning with patience, power, situational hitting at the plate, good pitching from both the starting rotation and the bullpen. A definite contrast in terms of finding ways to win now versus finding so many ways to lose during the first few months of the season.
2: I yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it, it feels like it, you know the first uh, two or three months of the season, it, it felt like if there, it just kind of felt snake bitten. Like it felt like if we could lose in in a different way each you know each night, it was going to happen. And and just the last three weeks, it's been completely the opposite. And and it's it's really been amazing to see that. Um, Really been amazing to see how they've really turned it around just yeah, just in the last month.
1: Of course, while we talk about the team's success, it's not a surprise at all as to who's leading the charge right now. And that's Freddie Freeman becoming the first Braves player to hit for multiple cycles after hitting for the cycle last night. Just the consistency he's shown over the past two seasons is something we've rarely seen in a Braves uniform for as far as I can remember. Yourself, Donna, is there been another player besides maybe Chipper, Andrew, perhaps Ronald Acuna Jr., who has matched what Freddie is doing right now in terms of his production and consistency at the plate?
2: Uh, It's it's a short list. I mean, you, you know, in terms of in terms of players that have been with the team for a long period of time, and they, they been with the team for a long period of time and have been just as consistently elite as as Freddie has been i you know of course you throw chipper in there um and it yeah, I mean Andrew had a lot of years uh with that type of production offensively and certainly defensively, but I I don't know who else I would throw in there in in terms of um, players who've put up that kind of production.
1: And of course, while Freddie has certainly played his part, we obviously have seen Austin Riley, Albies, Alzie Albies, and Dansby Swanson step up as well in the absence of Ronald Acuna Jr., but once again, Alex Anthopoulos has has come through, made the moves that needed to be made on the margins to revamp the outfield, and each of those players have stepped up and played huge roles. While there are times where he may be polarizing, certainly also need to give Alex Anthopoulos credit for consistently making the moves that need to be made for making this Braves team's better, especially during the stretch run over the past few seasons.
2: Yeah, it's something. I mean, I've I've been. uh... I've been critical of of AA for um just not not making some of those moves in the offseason that that I would have wanted to see him make. Um in other words, not having the a, a team together in April that um that I would have thought would have been kind of a start to finish World Series contender. But I don't think he gets enough credit for some of the just the in-season moves that that he makes. Um, you know, we'll, I'll I'll say that, and we'll kind of pretend that Tommy Malone didn't happen last year. Um, but with uh, with just what he's done, especially this season, and how he adjusted the the bullpen in 2019, I I think he deserves a lot of credit for for what he does in the season.
1: And of course, when it comes to Alex Anthopoulos, some of the best moves that he has made are the trades that he did not make, especially when it comes to Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, and Ozzy Albies supporting Freddie Freeman on the Braves infield. But while this infield may have emerged this season as being the best in the majors, what if instead they were one of the most powerful factions in the wrestling world? Coming up, me and J- Donna are going to reimagine the Braves' infield as a wrestling faction in the WWE.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: Donna, let's get right to it. Both me and you probably have two or three of our favorite factions in the history of the wrestling world. But what if the Braves infield was that in the WWE in the present day? Let's start with third baseman Austin Riley, someone who certainly has enjoyed you know wrestling antics over the past few days. Let's start with Austin Riley. What would his perfect persona be? So,
2: so where I went... Uh, where I went when you asked me, Sean, to, to kind of come up with wrestling personas or gimmicks for, for, uh, for each of the wrestler, uh, or for each of the, uh, the Braves infielders, I, my mind immediately went to like these, these like 1994 Vince McMahon cheesy <laughs> gimmicks, like, you know, like, like, uh, you know, where, where they had like a garbage man and a dentist and just like the, the, uh, just, these just really, you know, they were cheesy then and even cheesier now when you go back and watch it. Um, and so I think, I I think with, with Austin, I think that he, you know, he's just this big kind of, just this big human. And, and I think, I I think some kind of I I'm thinking some kind of like Canadian lumberjack kind of gimmick for him. Um there there was uh, just a, a a Canadian lumberjack, give him a big beard even and and uh um
1: and he could he could come out to some kind of have him have two lackeys that put them together. They form like Babe the Big Blue Ox in one of those two human costumes, and he rides those out to the ring. That that would be perfect. So my finishing move is Riley Riley off the rails. If we're talking about going on, on the trains that go through the Canadian wilderness, and what it is is Riley acts like he has that axe, and he chops a guy in the midsection, and then he lands the stunner. So we've got the Canadian lumberjack with Riley off uh-huh. the rails, with the setup for the stunner as he's is him being his finishing move. I think that that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 perfect. Put him on TV right now.
1: Uh that's, Let, that's beautiful. Let's go to Dansby Swanson.
2: <laughs> okay, um, uh, Dansby was the one. At, interestingly enough, he's. For me, he was the hardest person to come up with one for because um, I I kind of want to I kind of want to make him a like his gimmick to be guy that you hate, kind of like 1993 Shaw, Shawn Michaels, you know, with like kind of a fluffy mullet and the big like you know dangly cross earrings. Um, I'm thinking he's kind of like a bad guy. Um, kind of a, kind of a jerk to people. Um, He's, he's kind of that, 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 that mid nineties kind of pretty boy, bad guy that, um, that probably all at that time, that, that, uh, that guy that like all the women loved and all the men
1: kind of hated
2: him because all the women loved
1: him. Kind of like a narcissistic hair model. He comes out. He's tried different hairdos before. Comes out with a different hairdo that looks great, but kind of like a narcissistic hair model that falls in love with himself all the time, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Maybe he like carries like a mirror out exactly,
1: to the, exactly. Out, exactly. out to
2: the ring, um, and and he's just kind of like you know, like fixing himself up before a match. It, it
1: seems like it would be perfect. So I'm going with a combo finishing move here, taking a little bit of your uh, page from your book here. We're going to go with the Dan's bomb here, some type of power bomb that sets <laughs> up the, sets up the opponent. In the corner, laying you know face up on the mat, and then some type of finishing move that we call the swan song, maybe like a, um, a you know the starship pain or the swanton bomb, but some type of power bomb to lay the opponent out, and then the swan song off the top rope to be the finishing move.
2: I love it. I, I think I I think he's got to be kind of a, a a kind of a a. A top rope wrestler, or or if he's if he's like in a tag team, I love it.
1: Riley can deliver the Riley off the rails, and then the swan song, and and, and you're done. So we've yeah, maybe uh, we've talked to, exactly. We've talked about the left <laughs> side of the infield. Let's go to someone who I think may not get enough credit for how much of a personality he he has. <laughs> you want to talk about a nuanced, just suave gentleman? I think that that's what you have in. Ozzie Albies, the persona you see with Mr. Albies. Oh man. See, uh,
2: I, I I struggled with him too because I feel like there's so many things that you could do with it. Um, you've got, you've got basically like his real life gimmick, which is just this, just amazingly dressed kind of suave gentleman, kind of this, this, uh, uh, you know this kind of just real like this this kind of persona that that is you you, can, you it's kind of him in real life you know, um, but then there was a part of me that kind of wanted to make him uh, kind of wanted to make him like a cruiserweight maybe even like a like hey, like, exactly. a, like a Rey yes. Mysterio type. Um, I don't know if I'd put the mask on him, but. Um, I, I I'm kind of iffy on whether he would wear like the luchador mask, but I I'm thinking like high flyer cruiserweight kind of kind of a Rey Mysterio kind of uh, um 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 per uh, person um you know maybe he starts off and he kind of gets over as the high flyer and then he lets a lot of His personality show. Takes the mask off. Wears, you know, uh, wears like a, a, you know, thousand dollar suit to the ring. Um, Maybe there's a turn. He kind of changes his persona at some point during the, uh, during the course of his his wrestling career.
1: That's kind of where I'm going with him. And I'm just so I haven't really gotten the move down, but the name I've got down for the finishing move, Albee's damned. That would be the name of the finish. He moved. I'll be damned, and I just i, I, I think it would be some type of quick strike, like like use uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. You see that the the the, uh, the, um, uh, the the kick that he does, but some type of quick mm-hmm. out of the blue strike that's really impactful. That would make him a cruiserweight. But I'll be damned would be the name of his finishing move to go with, you know, like I'll be damned. He looks good in his suit. I'll be damned. You're done to his opponent. So we've got three out of the, I I think it goes well. We've got three out of the four taken care of, but now we've got to go to the living legend here. We've got to go to Freddie Freeman, your thoughts when it comes to Freddie Freeman and obviously the persona that he could pull off.
2: Um. Um, Freddie Freeman, and this is apologies to Freddie. Um, this one is probably the most mid nineties Vince McMahon gimmick. Um I, I could kind of hear in my head um uh, you know, Vince um Vince saying something like, Well, pal, you're you're a dad. How about we make you a dad? And and so I I'm I'm thinking The, 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 that, that Freddie's gimmick is he's, and this is probably him in real life, but like he's, he's an overwhelmed dad. He he comes to the ring wearing like a baby backpack and, and he, he's just like, he's just tired because he's just like been up, you know, he's just been up all the, all the time. And and Freddie never wins, and the reason that he loses each one of his matches is because one of his kids distracts
1: him. So so that <laughs> he's he's a comedy gimmick. Drew McIntyre version of a big boot slash claymore that you call the freeform. He sets it up in so many different ways, but he hits the big boot in some way, shape, or form. And then to go with your point. As he lays out his opponent, he's about to go for the pin, maybe even a Hulk Hogan type leg drop, but one of the kids distracts him, and he always just as he's getting things taken care of they do the the opponent does the roll up clutches the tights, <laughs> wins illegally. I think that that makes sense so i I think that we've come up with one of the more unique wrestling factions in the history of the world of uh, world wrestling entertainment. I think we could sell this idea
2: ah. Uh. I think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know why, um, we're not already hired by, by some, <laughs> um, some, some wrestling promotion to, to, to offer our, uh, our creative input.
1: <laughs> his name his name on Twitter is Jay Dunna. Make sure you follow him if you're not already. Absolutely a wonderful source of not only just Braves content, but just in general. You know, the world needs as many sources of fun as possible. That is Jay Dunna. Jay, or Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
2: Hey, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. And this is this is a good time.
1: It was great. Jay Dunna at Twitter. You can find me at Stats SAC. You can find the Daily Hammer wherever you find your podcasts. Of course, the Talking Chop podcast with Brad Rowland and Scott Coleman, the Road to Atlanta podcast with Eric Cole, Matt Powers, Garrett Spain, and others. You can find all the great content from Talking Chop at TalkingJop.com and at Talking Chop across social media. For Dunna, my name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer.